And when I say I've tried every diet under the sun, I mean I have tried every diet under the sun, whether it's keto or the cabbage soup diet to intermittent fasting, to Weight Watchers, to Slim Faster. Like I have tried it all. Until eventually I kind of got further in behavior analysis and further in my studies and took the big exam, became a BCBA. And suddenly my science brain kind of went, huh, it shouldn't be this hard. Like we know the science of fat loss and keeping a stable weight. And it's not complex. It is simply calories in, calories out, and and that's it. And sure, there's more to health than just calories in, calories out. podcast nutritional information for today's behavior analyst there we go and that was, brought to you by, that was brought to you by joe wesley our guest this uh this fine day um you might know joe from instagram mainly i suppose um, she is known as the behavior lady she's also a co-host of a great new podcast the behavior self behavior self podcast yeah i just didn't feel right coming out i was making sure i got it right <laughs> and i've listened to three episodes i know this podcast it's, it's great uh, what's your co-host name again, though, Joe? Emily. Emily McRae. Emily McRae. Shout out to Emily. You guys do a great job. Um, but hey, listen, so what we're here to do is um, tell people about your story uh, as your, your journey through um, behavior analysis and health, wellness, nutrition, however you want to spin it. But we're also here to, um, to plug you guys, too. So I want you guys to be, uh, I want you to introduce the world to, to your podcast as well as uh, more than anything else, let's get to know Joe uh, in, in your nutritional journey. You know, that's what the human series is all about, telling our story through a behavioral perspective. And I find the more of these that we do, uh, the biggest thing that comes up, Joe, this is an interesting jumping off point, I think, the biggest thing that tends to circle back around is the phylogeny and ontogeny argument. Um, so for those that don't know what I'm talking about, our nature versus nurture, basically, uh, is what I'm getting to where, uh, you know, who we are as a species versus who we are as the individual and, and how those play into our dietary uh, behaviors, our nutritional behaviors. So every person I've had on so far, uh, it goes back to an, uh, a piece of, of who they were when they're growing up, you know, what they were taught, their learning history, if you will. So I'm interested, uh, Joe, you know, let's jump off there and talk about your learning history and, and where are you now and, and what are you working on? Yeah, let's do that. Thank you for having me. It's Exciting to be here. Um, so I'm a behavior analyst. I've been working in behavior analysis for um, 12 years. I live in London in the UK, as you can probably hear. So I may be slightly more awake than poor Clint here because I think he's been awake since about half past five this morning and it's midday for me um, here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I, like Clint, have my PN1 certification um, and have been fascinated in all things nutrition and health for many years, primarily because I came from being um, an obese teenager, which wasn't a particularly nice place to be as a teen um, and very much grew up where food was everything. Our family loves food. It was um, a comfort. It was a commiseration. It was for celebration. It was for habit. Food was everything. Um, 
but food was never just for fuel or to feed our bodies or for health. And so I think that's where the kind of mass weight gain came from that I was trying to fill all sorts of other needs that I had, whether that was emotional or social or whatnot. And funnily enough, it didn't work, but it did make me gain a huge amount of weight. And so then going into my 20s, having left university, I started a career in behavior analysis with children with autism. Um, And it's a hard job. Um, It's exhausting and long hours and can be emotionally quite taxing. And again, food played a role. But by this point, I'd started to get my head around the idea that I had some control over food and therefore weight loss or weight gain. And when I say I've tried every diet under the sun, I mean I have tried every diet under the sun, whether it's keto or the cabbage soup diet to intermittent fasting to Weight Watchers to Slim Faster. Like I have tried it all until eventually I kind of got further in behavior analysis and further in my studies and took the big exam, became a BCBA. And suddenly my science brain kind of went, huh. It shouldn't be this hard. Like we know the science of fat loss and keeping a stable weight and it's not complex. It is simply calories in, calories out and and that's it. And sure, there's more to health than just calories in, calories out, um, you know, in terms of uh, the kinds of calories you're eating or the kind of movements you're getting. There is more to it than that, but it's not complex. And so where we come from as behavior analysts, trying to change people's behavior to improve their lives, I think we can have a huge role as behavior analysts with people's health and nutrition behaviors. And if kind of we go from our founding principles of trying to, and it sounds really cheesy, but of trying to save the world, I really think behavior analysis can have a huge role in health and nutrition Because let's face it, we are facing a global crisis and I'm not talking about coronavirus. I'm talking about health and obesity and people's health behaviors, whether that's food and and obesity or whether that's smoking or drug taking or all these things that I think we could have a huge effect on. So that's where I'm coming from now with all of my kind of, excuse me, background in nutrition um, and years of working out and my studies. And now with my BCBA certification, putting all of those together to help people take the confusion and fear out of health and make it very simple and make it simple to stick to. Man, it's like that was rehearsed, even though I know it wasn't. That was concise and and a great uh, introduction to things. I I really enjoyed your, you took us on an entire journey with that uh, beginning to now. Um, and I was interested in there where you used, I, I believe it was the phrase, uh, uh, healthful behaviors or something mm. along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's kind of a tagline that we use, uh, as well. Um, because it, you know, as you say, healthful doesn't just mean calories in calories out. It, the scale is, is the most, the most, uh, publicized and, and I guess arguably politicized, you know, thing that people think about it's, it's the moneymaker. Uh, it's also the AO <laughs> for most people. Yeah. Um, and for those that are non-behavior analytic, it's it's the thing that makes people stop um, or that, that takes away a lot of motivation. And so mm. I'm actually, uh, like right now myself, I have, I, I've made it no secret that through coronavirus, uh, I've, I've found it difficult. My routine has been so interrupted and just so many life things going on. It's easy to fall off the wagon. And uh, it's, you know, hard to jump back on. So I actually hired a, a, a personal trainer 
And I sat down with the guy and I told him, I said, listen, I don't need you. <laughs> I said, I know what I'm doing, but I need you. I need you to, t- to, to like, you're my, you're my MO. You're my, you, you have no stake in this game, but you're increasing my uh, reinforcing value of doing these things because I'm putting a monetary you know, gain to it. Uh, I'm paying you, which I'm glad to. I'm glad to support local people. But also, uh, I just need somebody to say, hey, uh, how's it going? How's the check-in? Uh, I let them know the days that I typically struggle, you know, um, Friday night, Saturday night are usually my like, okay, we can relax and uh, be a little bit open with our, and you can be flexible. That's the beautiful thing about yeah. flexible eating. But sometimes I'll go off the off the rails a little bit too much. And so on those nights, you know, I've got a contingency in place where he's, he'll text me and say, hey, re- remember your goals. Like, remember what you're, what you're trying to do. You set these goals. So it's your choice. If you want to go off the rails, go ahead. It's, you know, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. Also, you chose, you know, I'm texting you because you chose this path. And so to me, it's like, okay, that's the kind of outside accountability that I need. Uh, and to be flexible, you know, I can eat whatever I want. And I, I love that, but I have my, I haven't wait all that to say, I haven't touched the scale in about four weeks, but um, I'm, I'm in a wedding today as of the recording of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And when I went to get my tux, I had to get a different pair of pants and a smaller shirt. And so clearly other indicators, which are important for people to hear, there are other indicators of your health other than a number on a scale. And I could do an entire series on why body fat percentage versus weight loss is way more important. Um, yeah. I was talking probably. to Emily about this on the podcast. I, um, I've put myself into a fat loss phase over the last month, um, primarily more than anything in the run up to Christmas and in lockdown to show my clients and my people that it's, it's totally doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the first, so I'm five foot seven and about 140 pounds at my kind of heavier weight. So I'm not, I'm not big. Like I don't have a huge amount of fat to lose, but in the first week of being on this new fat loss plan, I lost seven pounds. Nice. That was not fat. It could not be fat. Someone of my size and shape could not lose them. It's totally. And so actually the scale is a bit of an idiot mm-hmm. because it doesn't show me my fat loss. What I knew was I'd gone slightly lower carb, so it was water weight from my muscles, and it was probably a little bit down the toilet. Yeah. So you're right. Unfortunately, the scale is quick and easy, and it's affordable for most people. We can't all afford to go and get DEXA scans, which is a kind of a fat loss, um, yes. a fat measure um, on yeah. a weekly basis because they're really expensive. I, if anything, you know, you want whatever, and I will say this, if you are using a, if you have a, a scale at home that measures these things, uh, regardless of its accuracy or for the overall thing, if you're using that scale as your measurement, keep that scale, uh, you know, and when, whenever you can, if, if this is your, if you're focused on, on fat loss uh, percentage wise, you know, invest in a DEXA scan at some point. Um, but while you're working now, use your measurements that you have to watch that, that number hopefully decrease. Um, and just a bit of information for that, dropping, dropping calories uh, and restrictions uh, for your diet doesn't necessarily equate to fat loss. And weight loss does not equate to fat loss. And so sometimes what you'll see, if, if there's not a steady uh, a stream of diet and exercise to go along together, while you lose calories, your body will become more efficient and drop muscle mass. So what you actually might find is you might lose weight, but gain body fat percentage because of what's happening, your muscle mass is what's dropping. And so um, it's possible to retain a little bit more 
body fat percentage and lose more muscle mass because you'll lose that first if you're not careful. So I just always like to let people know. Yeah, I think there can be a few things going on there. When you, I mean, it could be that. I think when you lose weight as well, your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis will go down. So you'll automatically stop wiggling and fiddling and walking Mm -hmm. around quite so much because your body will try and conserve that energy. So I think there's lots of things can go on on there. Um, But yes, the general point is a weight is a good general measure. But I think mm-hmm. there are lots of other measures that you can take. How you feel in your wedding clothes, like you just said, for example. Yes, what do you look like right. in the mirror? Take photos, take measurements. You know, everyone's got a tape measure around the house somewhere. Yeah. And they, I always never, I always never, I always seem to lose it when I need it. <laughs> so wherever, you know, it's, it's that elusive thing. It's kind of like finding the screwdriver. It's never in the drawer. Uh, so funny. I had a client the other day message me. She was like, Joe, I don't have a tape measure. So I got my son's shoelaces and then I used that to measure and I compared it against a ruler. Is that okay? <laughs> it sounds complicated, but it works. Sure. It does, but that's, that's ingenuity, right? There. If you don't have it, <laughs> yeah. the drive to do it is great. Yeah. So th- I, um, I know we turned this, we, we started this as a human series to talk more about you. We've been talking more about the science behind nutritional change, behavior change. And uh, I quite enjoy that. I, I, I enjoy having this kind of my platform. Behavior Chef kind of exists to talk about those things. And so does, you know, behave yourself. So clearly we have those things in common. Um, but Joe, uh, yeah, exactly. What has led you, you know, we've given some cool stuff for people, but <clears throat> what has led you to, to know all these things? Why, why did you decide that that was important enough for you to make those studious steps to become pn1 certified to take on clients to you know what was it that that turned you into something that turned you on to something that was more important than just you know talking about it Mm. um good question i think i got a bit sick of the diet industry being such a multi-million dollar industry and yet a lot of people being so very scared and confused about health and fitness and weight loss or weight gain if that's you know their goal and it doesn't I don't understand how it's become I mean I do understand how it's become such a multi-billion dollar multi-million dollar industry probably multi-billion dollar dollar um when really it should be so simple because everyone in theory knows what the right thing to do is and yet we just can't seem to do it and that's where I think behavior analysis fits so nicely because it's just human behavior, whether that is lifting heavy weights, that's a behavior, whether it's um, eating more vegetables, that's a behavior too. And so I think it was that beautiful marriage of two sciences, whether it's nutrition as a science and um, behavior analysis as a science that married together so nicely. And sure, what came from something that I wanted to apply for myself as a way to take away the um, confusion around fat loss, where going from an obese teen to an older teen and early 20s where my weight would fluctuate massively and had to try every diet under the sun where it came from trying to help myself to be able to maintain a healthy weight long term which I've done for 10-15 years now then realizing actually this is probably something that a lot more people need and that's not to say that my goals are therefore all of my clients goals they have different goals but it's just a science that can be applied to to everyone it we just look when it comes to health behaviors and healthful behaviors we're just looking at human behavior and we all do it i love the fact that you said it's not that hard um, no do you know what it's simple 
Yeah. And it shouldn't be hard, but of course it's hard. That's why we have so many people in such dire health straits. Well, let me, what I mean by that is I, I love your approach on it's just at its simple core. It's just behavior. Um, meaning it's, you know, it does, it's not complicated to at least fix. It's not complicated to, to change and change is a loaded word. Um, you know, it can be a big step, uh, a sprint, a walk, whatever, you know, that behavior change is, it's a journey. So, um, when you say things like that, like it's, it's not hard, it's very difficult to do, but it's not hard. No, uh, it's not, um, I, it's funny when I started, I, I'm this, I have a very similar story to you. I've been, uh, well, I was actually in my, I was a high school football player in uh, uh, American football, sorry. But uh, I, uh, I was a high school football player and, you know, I, I was in great shape for that. And then college happened and <laughs> Taco Bell at two in the morning with friends and my metabolism slowed way down. And when uh, one of my wife and I got married, um, I blamed I blamed the washer on my clothes. <laughs> I, I got close to 400 pounds. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was a lot. And now um, I don't know where I'm at currently, but somewhere I'm hoping if I land right, somewhere in the, um, you know, the upper twos, which for I'm six, I'm almost six, four. So, and I'm fairly athletic um, most of the time, at least I think so. Maybe on my, my scale, I'm athletic. Not on most people's. I'm sure there are people way more athletic than me. But according to what I'm doing, you know, that's kind of where I want to sit. But now I'm, I'm not necessarily working on, like we were talking about, the poundage. I'm working on the percentage, hmm. uh, bringing, bringing that down. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't until I had that, like, you know, come to Jesus moment, really, if you will, of getting on the scale that one time to see, because I was so afraid of it for so long, because I knew it was bad. I knew something, like for me, I knew it was bad. So when I stepped on and I saw, you know, almost 370 pounds or whatever it was, um, man, that took a while to process and all the self-doubt and the hatred and all the stuff that came with it. Like I'm, I'm a pretty jovial guy outwardly. I, you know, I'm my worst critic inwardly. So mm -hmm. I think we can all resonate there. We all mm -hmm. resemble that remark in some, <laughs> in some capacity. And so it took a while for me to wade through what was actually um, a real thought that mattered and what was, uh, as Steve Hayes would call my dictator within, um, you know, dictating who I should be or who I was or, you know, whatever it might have been, whatever those reflexive pairings for terrible thoughts turning in themselves into actions were. And now, you know, I feel I'm and I love being honest about my journey because I'm not the uh, the Instagram model guy, you know, and I don't want to be. I, you know, I'm working on functional fitness to where I can have longevity and health. And, uh, and my journey is still going and I'm still learning and I love sharing that with people. And I know if you guys follow Joe at all, which you should, um, uh, the behavior lady, right. Mm -hmm. at, on, on Instagram and yeah. all that great stuff. Um, she posts some great, uh, recipes and, you know, her workout videos and stuff, everything's motivational. Uh, and if anything else, it's, uh, and, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Joe, so stop me if I'm, you know, speaking for you, but just as an observer and seeing those things pop up. It's very transparent. Uh, you know, you're sharing your journey with other people. And there's a lot of stock in that. I know in our social media driven life, we're driven by the perfect image. But we need a dose of reality. And I think that's why uh, things like your platform are awesome. Because, um, you know, you're just sharing like, okay, we're in quarantine. This is what my workout looks like uh, during that time. You know, you're an avid home workout person. Yeah. And so uh, 
you know, a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are struggling because box gyms are closed down. Mm-hmm. So I think this would be a good segue for me to shut up for a second <laughs> and um, and say, Joe, you know, give us some give us some tips there, would you? I know that you've been doing home workouts for a while, or at least it seems like it. Yeah. I think you mentioned that when we were off off camera. And so, um, you know, what's that like for those that are struggling right now with big box gyms? You know, I know in UK you guys are in lockdown. Again, a lot of us here in the U.S. are in different lockdowns. So if I can't get to my gym, uh, what are some things that I can do practically? Um, So I'm not a personal trainer. Emily, my podcast co-host, is a personal trainer. So we had a podcast recently about this exactly. So I think we um, it was about fall. So now the weather's getting colder, what to do. you could do home workouts and there are loads of free ones online. There are loads of ones that you can pay for. There are loads of home workouts. You don't need to have fancy equipment. A bag of rice could be two kilograms. A bag of potatoes could be a few kilograms. Big bottles of heavy water. You could fill a suitcase up with heavy things and throw that around. Or you could just say that I'm going to go for a daily walk each day. Um, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, your neat actually accounts for far more than your workout. People often really overestimate the number of calories that they expend in a workout. Actually, you burn far more calories by just getting your 10,000 steps in in a day. Um, And you can do it. There was one day where I couldn't really leave the house because, I mean, I could, but it was really, really raining here. And so every hour between meetings on my laptop, I got up and did a hundred star jumps. And then in front of the TV, whilst my husband and I were watching telly, I did a few more kind of like running on the spot and star jumps. And I got 10,000 steps for the day. Was it my favorite? No, I'd much rather go walking around our local cemetery. As you've seen me, I'm sure on Instagram, it's beautiful. Walk around our local cemetery. But I suppose you, you can see a the adversity that you're currently facing, whether that's a pandemic or whatever current adversity you're going through, and you could use it as an excuse not to meet your goals, or you could find a way to meet them anyway, or you could change your values and change your goals. I know which one I'd rather do, and it's it's either find a different way through the adversity and make the best of it or change my values and change my goals because actually just using it as an excuse is miserable and I've been there and it's not nice and you end up beating yourself up every day and it's, yeah, it's miserable. Values driven behavior change is, uh, it seems to be kind of a new wave that we're seeing in behavior analysis and uh, I don't, maybe not new, it's just spiking uh, again, but it's so valuable. Uh, <laughs> hence the term, I suppose, but it is so, um, and what we're talking about there is making decisions for behavior change based on long-term outcomes, based on things that you deem valuable, not necessarily society or anything else. So within, and that's the beauty of the power of the listener. If you're listening to this now, you have the power for those healthful behaviors, whatever is valuable to you. If weight loss is valuable to you, you can gear something towards that. If family mealtime is valuable to you, you can gear something towards that. If, you know, eating greens more is valuable to you, whatever it is, the healthful behavior, that's what I said earlier, you know, it's, it's not hard, it's just difficult. The world is, is your oyster in that respect. You, you know, you are the painter and, the, and it's a, there's a canvas for you to work on. It's so great uh, when you realize that the power is yours. It was freeing for me to realize that um, I, you know, my environment dictates my behavior as we know, right? But I have the, I have the power to influence my environment. So in essence, I kind of have, I have the ability to control the environment. So it helps me control behavior. And, uh, you know, we all look for control in things. And I think with that in mind, 
I didn't feel like I was spiraling so much, right? I felt like I had, I had control to either continue to spiral, uh, which I was, you know, I, I would go and I, I've always been an emotional eater. I, that's a self diagnosed terminology, but I've always been that type of person. I think a lot of people deal with that. Yeah. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, we have a, we have a journal on the journal club on Thursdays. Uh, we don't, <laughs> but we should. Can we <laughs> absolutely. Um, absolutely. Now that's the beautiful thing of flexible dieting. Um, you know, it's not about, uh, restricting to here in America. Um, the bodybuilding diet has, has been taken and really, you know, since, since Arnold and those guys back in the day, they were, you know, the first on the scene to do this stuff, uh, uh, what I would say widespread media wise. And so now to get a body uh, in shape, it's white rice and chicken and broccoli and, which those things are great foods in and of themselves, but that's, that's the hardcore 3% on stage show body that people are, those people that are eating that way are doing that kind of a thing. And they're not the typical person. Right. And if you take a step back about what their goals are, their goals are to look a certain way on stage and that's fine. It is. But long-term, it's not sustainable. And actually, they've probably got no energy. I'm sorry to be crude, but no sex drive. They probably have like no good social relationships at the time. And that's fine because that's their goal at the time. But we can have different goals. And there's different ways of hitting your goals. You don't have to eat chicken, broccoli, and rice because that's a bit sad. (laughs) It is. You can find beautiful alternatives. And that's, that's the beautiful thing, looking at it from a behavioral standpoint. I love extending stimulus and response classes for myself. Um, so, you know, um, stimulus classes, all these different foods I might want to try. And then response classes within those stimulus classes. So if, if I'm, I did, uh, we've done behavior chef cookouts before, which we will, again, I'm sure, on, you know, the stimulus class of an egg. And we've taken the egg and we've talked about response classes of an egg. So I can make an omelet. I can make scrambled eggs. I can make egg whites. I can make a frittata. I can make Gordon Ramsay's eggs, which is the way that I make eggs every time I make them now. For the last year and a half, I have made, you know, his, his uh, version of scrambled eggs blew up on the internet a couple years ago. And I learned how to do it. And it actually became my favorite flavor for eggs. And my wife actually requests it now. So that's what we have. And it's become a thing for us. It's become, you know, the, so this, this fun thing, this learning a new modality to cook has actually become like a thing that's brought, brought us together, which to me is values, uh, is time with my family. And so I get to do something and practice a skill over and over again that I love. And I get to see that, like I'm reinforced by my wife saying, this is great. You know, we're sitting there having a good time and the, the flavor is just fantastic. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, if you're listening, go YouTube uh, Gordon Ramsay scrambled eggs and thank me later. Uh, and I'm sure I can link it in the show notes to this, but it's just it's just an example of what opening up uh, to learning a new experience with a values driven approach can really do for you. All this stuff is about your values, uh, the listener, and here the uh, the guest um, Joe. Um, shared her values here, but she's also shared so many practical, awesome steps on how to just start. And I think if anything, just like anything else, it doesn't matter how far you want to get. If we don't start, there's no opportunity to get there. And so wherever you are, um, start there. (laughs) Don't try to get somewhere else. Start where you are. Um, that's, I can't, I don't know if I can say it any different or any better or any easier than that. It's just, if you want to do it, just start now. Whatever it is, pick something, pick a plan, and start. And then as you go, that plan can grow. 
Uh, I think Joe has talked about that quite a bit herself with yeah. her journey like, from, yeah. Like you were saying before, the beautiful thing is that you're in control. And if you're trying to say that other people are to blame for what's happening, then you need to call yourself on that because it's, mm-hmm. it's both scary, but also empowering. You're in control. You get to control your environment. You control your behavior. No one is putting that cake in your mouth and no one is making you sit on the sofa. If you want to change, if you want to do work towards your goals, whatever that might be, and it doesn't have to be fat loss, you can control that. That's the beautiful mm. thing about it. Uh, she's over here preaching straight fire. That's absolutely the truth. Uh, it's up to you. And that is, that is a scary realization. But once, once the, uh, the jitters wear off, the power that you've just given yourself is immense. Uh, I'll never forget that when I, when I realized that for myself, that I am in control um, and not just of the negative things, folks. You're not in control. Uh, you, so wherever you find yourself, I'll just say this and then I'll give Joe the plug to close us out for today. But if you find yourself in a spot where you, you have that dictator within that's telling you you're not good enough, you're terrible, you're overweight or sluggish or I don't know what it is, whatever your mind is telling you. Uh, so if you hear me, if you're attaching I'm in control of that, um, you're not wrong. We did get ourselves where we are, but there's an entire another side that you're in control of. And you are in control of the one that is kind to you. And you are in control of the person who makes a decision to step forward. And you are in control of, of the environment that you build and the reputation that you bring and who you become. It's up to you. So who you are doesn't have to be, who you are right now doesn't have to be who you become. But I will say this, who you've been will influence who you become. So taking a look back at what you've learned through life is a great way to understand what might predictably happen in specific contexts. So be honest with yourself. That's the best thing I think you can do to start with. Uh, Joe, if you, if you have anything else to add there, please jump in. No, I think you summarized it perfectly. Thank you. And speaking of summary, Joe, uh, where can these fine folks find you? So my personal Instagram account is at the behavior lady. And remember I'm from the UK. So behavior is spelled with a U. Um, and I post all things about um, nutrition and behavior analysis over there. And then as Clint kindly said, Emily and I have a podcast called um, behave yourself. And we have an Instagram of at the behavior pod. No, at behavior behave yourself pod. Still getting used to that. Um, sure. And we have shows weekly and our email is um, behaveyourselfpod at gmail.com. If there's any questions you want us to cover, please get in touch. And that's me, I think. So personally, I'll, I do nutrition um, behavior coaching. So get in touch with me personally, or if you are looking for the podcast side of things, then it's me and Emily. I love it. Um, listen, everyone, go check those out. Everything's going to be linked in the show notes. Um, go check them out. Uh, listen to Behave Yourself Pod. It's really great, really great information, really concise stuff. These guys know what they're doing. Uh, We're going to have to have you on soon enough. Absolutely. I would love to be a guest. Um, more than yeah. happy to, to come on and hang out and, and just have a conversation. So be on the lookout for that too, the cross collaboration. It's definitely in the works. But uh, uh, as always, um, you guys be kind to yourselves. All right. And, um, I got to say, Joe, thanks for coming on today. And it's been awesome. And I know this won't be the last time. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much for having me.